Hello and welcome to Found in Translation, a weekly-ish exploration of one fellow's translation of the Christian scriptures, one chapter at a time. I'm Brandon Rhodes, and across the internet from me is the translator himself, Brandon Johnson. Hi, Brandon. Hey, Brandon. Good to see you this fine, fine Friday. How you doing? Yeah. Oh, pretty good. Getting to the end of the week here. Looking forward to the weekend. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Fun, fun, fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I've got a good Rebecca Black energy in me too. But first, but first, we're, yes. <laughs> Kicking in the front seat. Uh, which one should I take? Uh, well, what we're going to take this week is going to be Ephesians 3. Uh, everybody, if you haven't had a chance to read Brandon's translation, uh, for those of you joining on YouTube or Facebook, We'll have the translation up on the screen here in just a minute. Uh, And for those of you listening, we encourage you to check out the link in the episode notes to uh, the Google document that you can read along with and get all the footnotes. We won't have the footnotes on the screen. So if you're watching right now, we'll figure out how to get a link to you so so you can actually read those footnotes if you want. Uh, So go ahead and uh, if you're listening, hit pause and give it a read. All right, we've got it up on the screen now. Let's start talking about this thing here. Uh, first thing to acknowledge, Paul is confusing as hell. <laughs> the first, what, like seven, six verses? This is madness. It is madness. Like, um, this isn't your translation decision. <laughs> like, this is whoever wrote this. This is Paul's, like, crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's it's structured as the first seven verses are a single sentence that starts off like the first two or three verses, then takes a bunch of asides off on like tangents to like support the points that he's making, but not are, are no longer the main point anymore. And then at verse six comes back as if he never left and just like finishes the thought that he left off on in verse three. And it's, it's, it's bonkers. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Given to me for the benefit through God's generosity and that the mystery was made known to me for the purpose of revealing it. Ramble, 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 ramble. And the mystery is that other, <laughs> uh-huh. not ramble, ramble, ramble. It's like, he just, he got so excited. Yeah. He's explaining I, things that are relevant, but it's organized really weirdly. I've seen some translations do um, full on M dashes. Mm-hmm. At each end to just bracket it off and be like, oh shit, by the way. Yeah. Try and that, convey. That might be helpful. I broke it up into multiple sentences just to have it be like manageable chunks. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you lose the the fact that it really is one sentence that's just weirdly <laughs> organized. Well, kudos to you on successfully getting through it. Yeah, I didn't know that i was walking into that so it was one of those things where i was like as i was translating it i was like how does this fit together how does this fit and it wasn't until i got to like verse six or seven that i realized what where is this coming oh this is oh i see oh (laughs) it's just like this moment of revelation like oh this is all coming together now and that's really weird 
So the first specific thing you wanted to uh, discuss looks like uh, footnote B there uh, in verse three. You want to yeah. read a little and tell us what's going on? Sure. Yeah, it's the uh, the word for the purpose of um, is how I did it. And more often I've seen it as by uh, the preposition by mm. so it's that sentence um i'll start in verse two just so it's kind of a com- complete ish thought so of course you have heard about my assignment to the management of the house which was given to me for your benefit through god's generosity and that the mystery was made known to me for the purpose of revealing it um yeah it it's strikes me that the uh I'm to look at my notes here there we go the both of it is translating just the the greek word kata it's a preposition mm-hmm. kind of most often it gets used as like in accordance with or corresponding to or like according to um it kind of has this sense of being like based on like that this is what it's based on yeah um when it's used about physical movement it's like a downward movement like coming down onto something so there's like a a foundational kind of Mm -hmm. feel to it um and you know i'm looking at in my texts reference books of like ways that this word can be used and the using the word by here makes it it's almost like why bother even saying it? It was made known to be by being shown to me, <laughs> like made yeah. known to me by revealing it. Like why bother even saying it? Um, I think unless you mean something I, very technical about revealing, like right, apocalypsis. Re- yeah, I think usually it means like uh, people translate it more like as by revelation. So it's like instead of talking to Jesus face to face when he was still walking around with the disciples. Oh, yeah. It was made known to me in this really special way by revelation, which is never quite clearly defined, but maybe through dreams and like visions and stuff, um, because he was the apostle abnormally born. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that's what her translators are assuming he's talking about there. But that doesn't work for kata. That's not what that word means. It doesn't mean that anywhere that is not a preposition of means it's not a preposition that designates how something is done or with Mm. what something is done um but for the purpose of is one of the standard possibilities for what that word means and it makes a lot more sense to me to assume that the word is being used how it it works in the language rather than saying the in this one place it's an exception and it's used completely differently than it's ever used anywhere else so that it can fit our pre-understanding of what we think Paul probably is saying here. Yeah. Um, and it really changes it. And it also, this fits better talking, looking at verse two, that he was made uh, given this role of overseeing the house, taking care of everything. And, you know, the house being the church 
And like, I'm given this role, I've been given this assignment to take care of everything and make sure it's going well to have everybody has what they need, Mm -hmm. uh, that the work is being carried out um, for your benefit. And that's why I was even made to understand the mystery in the first place so that I could share it with you. Right. Yeah. Um, Otherwise, again, like I said, why bother even saying it? Uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah, there are certain... Uh, theological traditions that have such a, str- a very strong emphasis on the um, unilateral eschatological rupture of God, the apocalypse of God, and they I don't follow those theologies that closely. I could see how this might be a tempting um, dangle here for them to like emphasize the the disruption of God in this moment. Like mm-hmm. he was, it was made known to me as an apocalypse. Like no one saw this shit coming, which there's a certain power to that idea, but it rhetorically seems to be, it's more simple to just say, the reason I was shown this is not for my, uh, not just for me. <laughs> yeah. But to pass it on. To pass it on. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't even quite make sense with everything else that's said to have it be like, this is a, the first time this is being revealed and it's never been revealed before. Um, there's a lot of language talking about the mystery and like the knowledge that was hidden, um, kind of implying that it hasn't really been seen up until the, this point. But the, the message isn't that it wasn't available. It's just that it wasn't seen. It has been shown from the very beginning it hasn't been received through most of that time by most people. And mm. that's a big difference. Well, that's uh, so in my first term in seminary, did a hermeneutics class, I think it was. And we had to do our own without having taken any language classes. We had to translate this passage, Ephesians 3, 1 through, oh gosh, probably 12 or something like that and that the reason the professor chose this is for him the nature of uh where is that in verse five um it was not made known to other generations of people like it has now been revealed to his sacred emissaries and prophets through the life breath mm-hmm the, the word as was in his preferred translation there, as it has right. now. It's probably where I put like. Yeah, yeah. And to him, there's either, there, his whole dispensational scheme like hinged on this because there was, nobody saw the church as an ontological unit coming. Um, and therefore mm-hmm. it was literally never, the, the, the reality of the church, the mystery of the people of God being Jew plus Gentile. Mm-hmm. as co-participants it's not like this is a difference of degree like as it has like it wasn't shown as much as it is now like i got the full thing but you know other people got the trailer his his conclusion was built around interpreting and translating it in a way that was um kind of uh, it's made down to us us but n- as not as it was to other people at all. No one saw, even if there are hints of it throughout the Bible, the, the Hebrew Bible. Yeah. 
Yeah, but there's more than hints. Paul writes it in Galatians, defines the gospel as God's promise to Abraham in Genesis that all peoples would be blessed through his descendant. Like, right. And they would, this is not a, this is not a brand new idea. No. Yeah. His, his technicality was the people of God being ontologically its own thing of Jew plus Gentile, which is not Israel, which is still a parallel track for people of God. And anyway, yeah, it was, Mm-hmm. Got, it, it was sounds like he was reaching honestly and it was the one time i definitely yeah. got graded down uh for my theology oh. uh yeah but you know he thought that the uh he thought the, the election of god's people was a, a, a way of saying that god is racist and he thought that was like a witty thing to say and then he thought that uh and and that he liked that he also said that climate change isn't real because the Bible says that God has ordained the uh, the sea upon the land, the sopping of the sea on the land. God has set a boundary on the mm-hmm. sea. It's like, well, God's moving that shit, brother. Uh, so I don't yeah, take his interpretation. This, this feels like a classic example of the blind leading the blind. He has no freaking clue what he's talking about, but yet he's in a seminary position teaching everybody else to think like he does. Praise the Lord. He's retired. Um yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I uh I guess I don't have anything witty to say at the end of that, except I'm really happy to get to talk about this because the actual <laughs> power, well, the actual power of this passage is really remarkable. Yeah. It's a compelling, right. interesting thing. Instead of some shitty proof text for his like weird racist, like bass backwards <laughs> vision of Christianity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which unfortunately has become much of christianity yeah yeah um, yes, but sir. is not what jesus and paul had in mind this frankly it's the opposite but yeah let's get into these uh the actual ideas of what that you translated here yeah so like uh, one of the things in this little section like the, i think we mentioned already that like figuring out that the, the break is between verse three and verse six so you can kind of take out four through four and five there um not that they're unimportant but it helps just sorting the flow of thought mm-hmm. um it, paul defines what the mystery is this is not the only place he talks about the mystery but this is one of the places where he clearly defines what that means to him um sure. and it is that other ethnicities are to be fellow heirs with Israel, the same body. Um, and it can, it keeps going on the next page too, but and yeah. Yeah. And co-participants co-participants in the same promise, which is the promise to Abraham mm-hmm. uh, through Christ Jesus, through the triumphant message. And we'll get to the triumphant message in a minute here. The, traditionally that's gospel or good news. Mm-hmm. Um, that's it. That's huge. This is like one of the many places that we could probably point to and say, that's like the thesis statement of the thing. Like, yeah. Um, and so it's exactly what you're just saying. Like that God is racist and they're using the Bible to prove it. Like, wait a second, you're missing something here. Like this, this is saying the exact opposite. 
Um, it's that yeah. every, all the different people groups are included. That there isn't only one right group and everyone else has to fall in line. And part of what makes the church the church is their capacity to be, as I'm going to just say this in as many episodes as I can, uh, Dr. Willie James Jennings' line of mm-hmm. being a um, publicly boundary transgressing kinship network, participating in enfolding in one another's life with the triune life. Oh, it's mm-hmm. <laughs> so good. <laughs> And like yeah. th- that fundamental so, boundary trespassing nature is what makes the church, the church. Right. It's like seeing all the, the borders between different people and the church going, those are not important. Like we are not following those lines. We're going to inherently, it's our job to cross those lines Yeah, not, and build not- connection and inclusion where everyone else doesn't want to. Yeah, not to obliterate difference, but to uh, not let it become uh, the violence of division and Mm -hmm. destruction. Yeah, which makes me think of like being like the world or God's ways are higher than our ways and all those kinds of things um, is because how human society works is all about making sure we know where the boundary is, who's in, who's out, who's good, who's bad, who's other, who's with us. Yeah. Um, and making sure that's really clear and, and not crossing those boundaries. And then you get that, those same ideas of like the world's way and defining it really in any other way than that is wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm you start assigning it as like, Oh, you're, you're pro gay marriage. That's the world's way of thinking is like, "Mm -mm, don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) There was only one thing that this is talking about and that's the boundaries. And so it's actually like liberal non-Christian Americans that often are way better at this than people who claim to be, reading and following the Bible and somehow we've turned it into a weapon to be used to solidify those boundaries and keep people out instead. Mm -hmm. And here Paul is drawing this like very clear line, like the power of the gospel, the mystery of the Christ hidden for ages, hinted at, teased at, and finally revealed. Like I had my face rubbed in it. (laughs) (laughs) Because I was trying my damnedest to murder anything that was going this direction. Is this this new belonging uh, that holds our differences in the love of God together. There is no future apart from us together. It's profound. And 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 for him, it's an expression. This is just to jump down to verse 10. it's an expression of what others might conventionally call spiritual warfare. That way God's multicolored mm-hmm. wisdom might now be made known to the leaders and authorities in the highest heavens through the assembly, uh, the church. That's, that's amazing. Like you want to talk about the, the dark powers that control and in, invade countries and exclude people and undercount them for voting and make it illegal to take care of their kids uh, uh, the, the way to spiritually combat that isn't only like all night prayer sessions, 
uh, it is the prayer session of lives lived enfolded with one another mm-hmm. with refugees, with trans kids, with um, Jew, Gentile, black, white, male, female, like figuring out how to not let these differences be forms of violence. Right. That's the hostility, the hostility in uh, chapter two. Right. The, the dividing wall between us. Yeah. 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 It makes me think of Matthew 23, 13, the list of all the like you Bible scholars and Pharisees, you hypocrites, pretenders, like here's all the things that I'm listing that are bad about you trying to get you to kill me. Apparently um, one of them in verse 13 is you better watch out pretenders, Bible scholars and Pharisees, because you shut the way into the divine reign in people's faces. In fact, you neither enter nor release others to enter. It's like keeping people out. That's a problem. Yeah, gate, gatekeepers close themselves out too. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. That's quite the. <laughs> yeah. Whether they know it or not. Yeah. Jeez. Because they have created their whole, like that fits. Like we were talking about, like a lot of Christianity is about this gatekeeping. Yeah. But they're not actually in this new way of life in this living in the new creation that scripture is talking about because yeah. that inherently requires including and bringing down the barriers. So if they're holding barriers, they have already kept themselves out of that. Holy shit. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. No wonder this is like the word gospel conventionally translated is right here in verse six uh, and co-participants in the same promise through Christ Jesus through the triumphant message two throughs it's confusing but right there triumphant message mm-hmm. is how you translated gospel we talked a bit about that yeah. uh, last season in matthew can you uh mm-hmm. cue people up on that yeah it's traditionally gospel or, or good news um it's a compound word you good angelion like a message um that's being received um in con- historical context it was referred to as like kind of the 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 victorious army on our side is coming home after winning a battle and somebody runs ahead to give the city news like hey our our king or our general led our army to victory it's we're we're excited it's time to celebrate they're they're on their way home you know like go out and meet them you know um and that's what this word is is this sense of there's an announcement that's happening of like something awesome happened things are okay now like we're good that's time to celebrate yeah Um, and so that's why i rather than translating it very literally is just good news or good message um it's that sense of triumph or victory Mm -hmm. uh, that that things something has fundamentally changed and now it's good in a way that it wasn't before Mm. um and that's it's it's used sort of tongue-in-cheek because the the normal usage of it was about that military like we identified the other and we beat them right uh whereas jesus is identifying the other and saying let's make him not the other anymore let's just include them yeah like the victory feast after the battle i'm actually inviting those guys along Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We we ended the war, and there's two couple of different ways to do that: by force or by reconciliation. Mm-hmm. And Jesus 
chooses reconciliation every time. Yeah, because the reconciliation that Jesus is God is accomplishing through Jesus is not God's perpetual need for violence towards us, but us either believing that other than that, anything other than that, or thinking other people have God's violence coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that we may as well be ambassadors of that. Right. No, so they become ambassadors of hostility, of erecting dividing walls, as opposed yes. to chapter two, where it's the exact opposite. Yeah, the breakdown. Yeah. Um, so one one line in here that... <laughs> It's a bit of a record scratch from the flow we've had, but it really gets to, I think, some of the um, the subtleties of how to how to translate uh, is in verse eight. Let's see. Uh, this generosity was given to me very least of all the sacred to do this thing. Mm-hmm. Now, sacred, the sacred is used. Um, I think colloquially by those of us who are trying to stretch our linguistic parameters beyond like conventional Bible or liturgical language, <laughs> um, it's it can be used uh, to broadly mean sort of the divine intimate presence, sort of the sacramental, the force kind of mojo that is out there, the Tao, like there's the, the, the sacred hum mm-hmm. of reality. Mm-hmm. there's um, the sacred is a way of sort of referentially saying, you know, the Holy one of saying it's a, it's a, it's a, a bit of a half bow while say, acknowledging God um, yeah. more directly or, or whatever is connected with God. In some yeah. Way. yeah. Yeah. And then um, it can be used a bit more for the, uh, matters of the cultus, um, whether that's, um, you know, the magisterium or the sacraments or, um, yeah, whatever it is. Yeah. Official religious yeah. systems or behaviors. Yeah, or bounded religious or, holy things. Yeah. Um, those are all used in different ways. And you've been making it a point to use, you've been trying out the language of the sacred or variants of that mm-hmm. for the people of God, the saints. Yeah. Yeah, I've been using the word sacred to translate the Greek hagios or plural hagioi here. Sure. Um, as sacred instead of holy is the more traditional hmm. uh, in- way to render that in English. And I think it works really well in places where it's not about people. Like, I'm very happy with how it works in places where it's not about people. Um, when it is about people, I've been doing it anyway because I haven't figured out anything I like better. <laughs> You're clearly pissed. <laughs> I've been doing my homework, mom. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think I'd, I'd be more comfortable maybe with making a change, actually, because it, it feels like there's an implication if some people are sacred, then other people are not. And that feels really weird. Mm-hmm. Um, it may well be the imagination that Paul had for how to distinguish, but... Yeah, well, I think it's like you're listing out all these different things that we could mean by sacred, and that matters. Yeah. Um, so to to have it be like this, like inherently special or inherently like God cares about us or that we have value or like 
like life is sacred kind of like sense. Like if that's what we're talking about, this is problematic. Um, this isn't okay. Oh, wait, but what it's- Can you say why that's problematic? Because all people have value and are sacred and are image of God and matter. And there's not a hierarchy there. Like we're all, all equally beloved. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're all co-participants in the same promise. Right. Um, yeah. So for him to like latch on this uh, host- potential hostility language at the right. end. It's the- like, we'll include you, but begrudgingly you're at a, so you're at a second class version mm-hmm. of being longing. Right. And it's like, yeah. Yeah. No. Even trying to be humble that he's the least important of the first class mm-hmm. citizens is still saying that people are below him. It's not okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but what it's talking about more is, is I think the last thing that we listed as the possible meanings uh-huh. that specifically re- designated for religious purposes. Mm. Um, so it's talking about a group, not individuals, but a whole group that has responded to a calling taken on a specific role yeah um and what is the purpose of a religious ceremony it's to connect people with god what is the purpose of religious anything it's to facilitate connection between god and people Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so the people who have this holy designation this role of sacredness it's it's talking about specifically the group of people who have been designated to connect people and God um, has nothing to do with their value or whether they're going to heaven when they die or anything. It, it's like, I have accepted the responsibility to help others. Yeah. Connect with God. It's a whole group that going back to verse two has been, had the mystery revealed to them for the purposes of revealing to others. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And, and the context of like the, con- one of the controlling metaphors here that we'll get to a bit more later is um, we're talking about the temple. We're talking about just kind right. of as not as one specific place, but as a, as a sort of literary object. <laughs> right. Yeah. That, looking back into chapter I say that two. Reverently. Um, even looking on the screen here in chapter yeah. 2, 19, um, your fellow citizens among the sacred, exactly what we're talking about, and part of God's house. God's house being a really common way to describe the temple throughout the Bible. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. They're part of the temple. Like, so your your hunch here is that the Hagioi, the sacred the sacred ones um, isn't necessarily meant to mean all of not, not just all of God's people, but particularly the Levitical or priestly. Are you? Yeah. That- well, I mean, it's, it's the church in somewhere else in scripture has talked about. It's a whole kingdom of priests. It's a holy nation. Like it's, it's not, uh, there isn't a, just like a lay clergy distinction. Right. There, the, everyone who is in the, who is part of the church, who is part of the temple 
is part of being what facilitates connection. Mm. Hmm. There's a, I, I have having hung out in Anabaptist circles for a long time. It's common parlance to talk about being anti-clerical, anti-clergy, just recognizing mm-hmm. we all have the capacity, uh, have capacity and calling. Um, and then somebody flipped it for me uh, about a year ago, just with the phrase abolish the laity. Like we're not talking about mm. getting rid of yes. the clergy. Yeah. Yep. We're talking about getting rid of the laity. That's right. <laughs> it's like, that's exactly. fantastic. Yeah. That's great. I've never so, heard that. But kudos to uh, yeah. uh, our friend over in uh, Australia, Michael Frost with that one. Mm. Really mm-hmm. good. Really good line. Yeah. And it really is like, we've seen those kinds of distinction that is not about power and hierarchy throughout all of scripture. It's like you have the high priests whose job it was to like run the, the priesthood and the priests were there to like serve the people in connecting with God. And, yeah. and then there's a broader circle of with all the priests were Levites, but then all the Levites also had a role in connecting the whole nation of Israel with God. And then Israel from the beginning, from Abraham's promise uh, mm-hmm. and on have been, they have a, the role of connecting all people groups around the whole globe with yeah. God. The church is just another way of looking at that whole people group. And yeah, they're going to be, it's like a Russian doll individuals yeah. who have devoted more time and energy to particular ways of doing that and supporting the others. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Um, but it doesn't take away the fact that the it's the role of the entire body to connect those who have not yet gotten connected yeah god preach preach hmm so anything you want to talk about with i've got i see we have in the notes here for verse 10 multicolored yeah um yeah i'll just read that verse and then kind of talk about some of the stuff involved there great so after talking about, oh, here we go with the house in verse nine, actually, you know, um, the plan developed for the house by the God who created everything, the mystery hidden since past ages, which remember we defined mystery earlier, is that everybody's involved. Um, and so with that mystery in view, the plan that the house is involved in creating that mystery that everyone is participating, no matter what people group they're from, that way... God's multicolored wisdom might now be made known to the leaders and authorities in the highest heavens through the assembly or the church, according to what has been proposed since ages past, which he did through Christ mm-hmm. Jesus, our Lord. Um, which feels relevant for other things we we're talking about. Like this is not the first time this information has been shared, right? No. Yeah. Um, since ages past, in fact, whatever, however you want to define that exactly. But yeah. Um, so multicolored was a very interesting word to me. I was really enjoyed kind of teasing that out. It's, I think it only, I think it's only here in the Greek Testament, this Greek word. Um, and when I was kind of exploring what it meant, I found a connection with it's not exactly like it's another form of the same word used in Genesis of 
Joseph's multicolored coat. Oh yeah. Um, so this is even more. The there's like another um, prefix put on it that's like very multicolored coat. This <laughs> is very multicolored here. Um, yeah, and other other translations of the NET do multifaceted. Uh-huh. Uh, AESV does ma- manifold. Uh, NRSV does in its rich variety. So all different ways of trying to get like there's talking about lots of lots of pieces or variety involved here, and those are uh-huh. all true. Um, but most literally, it's about color is what the word means, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, which I I really like it. It I. I know it's it's not being written explicitly for 21st century Americans, right? Uh, but talking right, about right. people of color, uh, I'm white. Someone else is black. Like uh, that's not explicitly what it's talking about. But I really enjoy the the way that using multicolored allows that connection to be made. Because I think it's an extremely appropriate connection, even though yes. it's the the it's, particular framework it's absolutely of talking not about what color. Paul was talking about, yeah, right. Yeah. Um, but in some ways, it is like it's talking about different groups being brought together, despite their differences. Maybe because yes. of the, like, you yeah. Know, even though we don't talk about people of color in Paul's time, that's not a. a of a, a terminology that was yeah. used. Yeah. Yeah. And then the, another layer of it being, you know, the, the pride flag. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And if you're going to riff over to, uh, to the Joshua, no, not Joshua, uh, Joseph story uh, mm-hmm. and his Technicolor dream code, uh, a lot of queer theologians and trans theologians have discussed how, uh, the word there, that kind of the word used to describe his coat is the only other place it's used, I believe, is for being it's like a princess coat. <laughs> right. A princess yeah. tunic. Like it's there's kind of a transgressive adorn adorning of mm-hmm. Joseph. There's a um there's a somewhat shrouded, so to speak, queering energy going on here. Yeah, so you shared an article here. with me uh, yeah. where it talks about other places like Rebecca is referred to as the translations do phrases like fair of face and form, something like yes. that. Yeah. Um, and that, that wording is used to describe attractive women in a couple of, in a few different places. And it's used specifically about Joseph, but because the translators are uncomfortable using like saying like, this was a beautiful man using feminine words yeah. to describe beauty. They changed the whole meaning of meaning of it to make it them make it more comfortable for mm-hmm. gender expectations. But it really is the same word of like Joseph was beautiful. Yeah, he was a, he was a pretty guy. He was a cutie. Yeah, he was a cutie. And that's that's the Hebrew <laughs> word there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, but how apropos this this image would show up here, where the transgressive. Uh, God, work of God, the power of the gospel to overcome um, violence inciting binaries and to create a new and strange future together. So, yeah, make like if you anachronistically throw in the rainbow flag uh, um, 
icon really as a, a window of meaning into this. It holds <laughs> really, really it well. Does. Yeah, really well. The point is that we celebrate our unity and solidarity in being different from each other. Yeah. That's at least a big part of pride flag. Um, and that's what it's talking about here. And yeah. So again, like, like with race, yeah. Uh, sexual orientation, identity and gender identity, like weren't talked about in those ways when the Bible was being written, but the application fits really well. Yeah. Reading it as that way, God's queer wisdom. Mm-hmm. I now be made known to the leaders and authorities in the highest heavens through the assembly. That feels really nice. Mm-hmm. And there's mm-hmm. another time where we're going to be accused by conservative uh, Bible scholars of just adopting the ways of the world. But remember, <laughs> the way of the world is to create boundaries. Yeah, patriarchy and hetero uh, normativity are the ways of the world. It's like, right. Like John Wayne masculinity is the way of the world. Mm-hmm. Being nice to people who are different from me is the way of God. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. 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 Giving up what makes me comfortable for the well being of others. Mm-hmm. That's the way of God. Come on. And it's, it's the way of the temple, man. It's the way of the temple. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that image of the house uh, became really clear uh, in the last few verses, 15 through 19. I'd love for you to give us a bit of a riff on that. Yeah. Let me uh, go ahead and just read it here. Mm-hmm. So I'll start at 14 since it's just the little part of the sentence there. To that end, I kneel to the Father, from whom every lineage, from the sky to the ground, receives their identity, so that he may give you power proportionate to his renowned wealth, to be strengthened by his life breath for the person inside, inside the house, by the way, Uh, through faithfulness to have Christ move in to live in your desires, being entrenched and your foundation laid on love, so that... I'll let you turn the page here. So that along with all the sacred, you might be fully enabled to grasp the breadth and length and height and depth, both to know Christ's love that is spread beyond understanding. And so that you may be filled to complete fullness produced by God. There's a lot in there. And I have, even in what I just read, there's like, six different footnotes um (laughs) not all of them are worth talking about right now um but they're in there like entrenched for instance like is more traditionally rooted and that it is more literally what it means but it's not talking about a tree it's talking about a building so like what is so entrenched is the the word that i went to do with there it's about talking about the foundation yeah um and then love that is spread beyond understanding is that like literally it's like thrown beyond knowledge is it's just so far beyond it's like was tossed as far as you could throw it and it's covering everything um 
And then finally, like that last complete fullness of God is like the most literal way, but then there's just so many different ways to handle that. It could be taken as like God is describing fullness, that fullness is describing God, that the fullness is from God, that the fullness, Mm -hmm. like there's so many different ways you could take what that means. Uh, One of them being like a genitive of production, uh, which is what I went with here. So it's that filled to the complete fullness that God is producing. Uh, God is producing the fullness Mm -hmm. uh, for us. Um, And that production is happening through building the house the church and incorporating all the different parts of all the different people who might be included there who are from every lineage. Um, Yes. Yes. So that's all in there. And one of the things that we are noticing is like Ezekiel references here. Mm And so the Ezekiel reference that I'm thinking about is our, like the length and breadth and height and depth. Um, that's like the measurements of the, the new temple that was to be coming in the book of Ezekiel. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, God gives him like a ruler and is like, Oh, measure right. how many cubits everything right. is. And it's like, Holy shit. This thing's gigantic. It's big. It's yeah. really big. Yeah. I've got, me- I've got measurements on every axis. Yeah. And here it's emphasizing the bigness, right? <laughs> and that was always taught to me is because we'll go back to our turdiness that we used in a previous episode yeah. of like, you're such a turd. Everything about you is so bad, so repulsive that no one would ever want you if they really knew everything about you. Who knows everything about you? God does. Oops. Ah! But <laughs> yeah, yeah. here's the real shocker. Even though your awfulness is so yes. huge, yes, God's love is even bigger. Whoa, isn't that amazing? You're still it's a like, turd, but right, yeah. yeah. And which brings me back to the good news idea: is like if the good news that you're trying to convince people of requires you giving them a whole bunch of bad news first, uh-huh. maybe it's not legitimately good news. Yeah, um, good news should sound good to the hearer based on their own experience, not based on you trying to tell them that they should, should be unhappy first. Yeah. I mean, the good, the good news to the rich is going to take a little bit longer to get to than to the poor. Like Mm -hmm. you get to share all of that stuff and no longer be a billionaire. Right. Right. (laughs) That might take some explaining. I like my yacht. Um, But yeah, this having this being applied to like, you're so terrible, but God's love is even more loving than how terrible you are is really a reach. There's, there's nothing about that in this passage at all, no. like about the terribleness of the person hearing it, which isn't about a person, by the way, everything in this book, unless it's explicitly stated, each and every one of you is about the church as a unit. Yeah. Because yeah. Um, every one of these, you and your are all plural. Um. This is not about sin, nature, and depravity. It's about what is it like to build God's new temple. Mm-hmm. And so that's talking about the, the love 
that is so big and broad and wide that it's pulling in people that we never expected to be pulled in. Um, that's creating this gigantic temple because we've each one of them is a brick and we've got like, Oh my God, this is a lot of bricks, you know, <laughs> way more bricks than we thought we wanted. And, but no, let's, it's great. Let's build it. You know, it's big. All in all, you're just another brick <laughs> in, in the wall. wall. Yeah. yeah. In a good way. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. In a great way. Because yeah. the other place this, this makes me think of is revelation in the new Jerusalem. Yeah. That's talked about as being incredibly wide and long and high and deep to the point of being like absurd. It's like thousands of miles tall. It's like the distance from New York to Denver wide and then right. on each axis. And it's a cube. Yeah, yeah. It's a cube. Yeah. So not just wide and long, but also high off the ground. It's extending out into space. Yeah. You can like um, crash space stations into it. Yeah. Right. And makes it easier not, for God to get to the right. So if we're thinking that <laughs> it's that big because so many people have been included as the building materials, yes, built on it talks about it being like the foundation is the apostles, mm-hmm. um, and then the rest of the church is the bricks built on the foundation, yeah, with Christ as the cornerstone. Mm-hmm. Um, and even then, after that gigantic structure has been completed, the walls are still open all the time. Not the walls, the, the gates. Yeah. They're still welcoming more. There's always room for more and more and more. The embrace and welcome are constant and astounding. Yes. The, this metaphor, uh, this uh, vision of humanity, of, of the church as the temple of God like evolved and developed it unfolded and kept giving more and more insight as the church held it as like a profound idea and so by the time uh john the revelator wrote that all that stuff down it really ripened into not only are the door not only is it how wide how big how low how forward and back like every axis is crazy ad infinitum and the doors are open. Like even with this big space, all the space isn't just for like all seven of us. <laughs> it's here for everybody. Mm-hmm. Yep. Everybody. All the many various colors. And maybe surprises. There's always, yeah, there's always room for the surprise mm-hmm. people right. and the people of God. Oh, yeah. It's wonderful. Yeah, that, that, insight with ezekiel there and recognizing in matthew we talked about how um the image of like one's walk or journey is so prevalent uh Mm -hmm. down to like you know images of like stumbling it's like all part of or straying or deviating Mm -hmm. it's all like part of a similar metaphor it's becoming more and more clear that the temple image is what is a centerpiece for what Paul is wanting to talk about mm-hmm. here in his letter to the Ephesians or whoever got this letter. Right. Yeah. And so little phrases like that, where how wide, how deep all that, like it just sounded like flowery language to me, like, okay, Paul, we, we get it. Or people hearing it in the tense of you're a turd, but look how big God's love is mm-hmm. like, actually this is like another one of those examples of 
um, the Holy Library, we call the Bible, resonates with itself in such incredible ways that if you can trust the, um, when you hear a part of it starting to hum a little bit, trust that that's happening for a reason, that there's something else making it hum. Mm-hmm. somewhere else in the in this like manifold this multicolored library yeah mm. Mm. well that's i think that's enough <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think we've got a You're good episode right. yeah we've got uh we've got the rest of our days to get to and i, I know you all do as well so thanks for starting the day uh with us we are uh, as always thank you oh. As always, grateful uh, for your uh, company on this leg of the journey or this room in the temple, whichever metaphor you want. Uh, The easiest way to continue supporting Found in Translation is to leave us a rating or a review in whatever app you're listening to this in or website you're watching it in. That makes it easier for other people to discover it and trust that it's been helpful uh, for you. So uh, the second best way to support the show is to become a sponsor. You can do that for just five bucks a month. Uh, There's a link on the platform you're (laughs) looking at this through. Uh, And when you do that, you're uh, getting comment access to the translations Google Doc, which means you can be interacting with each of us and other listeners and viewers. Uh, And then you also get the satisfaction of knowing that you are supporting exceptionally nerdy independent media. The music you're listening to is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Found in Translation was produced by Perry FM on unceded Chinook land. Goodbye, Brandon. Bye, Brandon. Bye, everybody. All right, welcome back. No, wait, I haven't set it up on the screen. (laughs) That's, it's been like three weeks, bro. Yeah. I said, bro, that worries me (laughs) a lot.